In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Jesus never promised that it would be easy. There's a fierce battle between light and darkness. And this battle runs straight through the world, the church, your family, and even our own souls. While so much of American pop Christianity promises in many, many ways that Christianity is about living your best life now, and how many books and conferences and programs have been sold, and how many sanctuaries have been filled and are full this very morning because of the promise that Christianity means a happier, easier life and the end of all your troubles. It is utterly remarkable, of course, to come to the realization that Jesus promises no such thing. Which may actually strike you in a rather strange way as being comforting. You're not doing it wrong. The conflict that you experience in your life, in your relationships, and yes, even deep within your own heart, these are not proofs that you've somehow flunked Christianity. These are not proofs that you somehow aren't really a Christian. Nor, for heaven's sakes, are these proofs that Christianity is somehow false. The truth is that far from promising you your best life now, Jesus promises that in the world you will have trouble. Listen to what Jesus says to his apostles as he first sends them out. Brother will deliver brother over to death, and the father his child, and children will rise against their parents and have them put to death, and you will be hated by all for my name's sake. On account of their preaching, all these things will occur. But how can this be, and why must this be? Because the word of Jesus and the preaching of the apostles is the invasion of light. It is light invading a world of darkness, and the darkness doesn't like it one bit. The darkness so hates the light that it attacks the light blindly, irrationally, and with murderous rage. A man of darkness will deliver up his own brother, his own child, his own parents to death simply because they have been enlightened with the light of Christ. In many places in the world today, this very thing happens. And as the culture around us goes ever more into the darkness, these things will increasingly happen here as well. Now, if this is the true nature of the darkness, then there can be no surprise when the principalities and powers of darkness so assault and attack us that we feel it in every part of our lives. If we're honest, it can be a bit terrifying. So what does our Lord Jesus have to say? First, he tells his apostles to endure You will be hated by all for my name's sake, he says, but the one who endures to the end will be saved. So very often, Christianity is simply a matter of enduring. Of course, there's nothing very 
glorious about that in our eyes, nothing glorious about enduring. And yet, over and over, the scriptures use this very word. Just endure. It is enough. Just keep coming to church. Just keep being a Christian. Just keep your eyes on Jesus. It is enough. It's remarkable what other things our Lord tells his apostles. And even though they're in very different circumstances and are given very different instructions than us, we can still draw many things from his words. He instructs them, for example, not to seek martyrdom. When they are persecuted in one place, they ought to move to another. He tells them that they won't have preached through all the towns in Israel before the Son of Man comes which some take to be a reference to the destruction of the temple in 70 AD. Others take this, it's probably right, as a reference to Jesus' own crucifixion. Either way, the time is short. When faced with persecution, we may choose to move or not. In fact, some places in Africa are looking rather good right now. Our Lord leaves us completely free in this matter. We're not to seek martyrdom, but rather to leave this in our Lord's hands. Whether we're martyred or not, our lives will be lives conformed to the passion of Jesus, conformed to the cross of Jesus. They will be cruciform lives. The powers of darkness will see to that. But listen to how our Lord comforts us. A disciple is not above his teacher, he says, nor is a servant above his master. It is enough. It is enough for the disciple to be like his teacher and the servant to be like his master. This is, in fact, our best life now. Not happiness or health or wealth or ease. It is enough for us to be like our teacher and master And what an honor it is that God would see to it that we would be anything like him at all. That we would be called to suffer in whatever ways while remaining faithful to our God and Father. That we too would be called to suffer in whatever ways in love for one another. This is our best life now. In fact, there is no greater life than to live like Jesus and to suffer with Jesus. If they have called the master of the house Beelzebub, Jesus says, if they have called me the devil, how much more will they malign those of my household? How much more will they malign you? In the battle between light and darkness, everything gets turned upside down, doesn't it? The world accuses Jesus of being the devil and Christians as being evil. The point, of course, is that we are not greater than our master. We simply can't be so winsome as to avoid this. And we need to realize that there is no middle way. There is no way to be faithful to God and be loved by the world. As it went for our master, so it will go for us. So have no fear of them, our Lord says. All that is at present upside down will be turned right side up. 
or in his words, all that is covered will be uncovered. All that is hidden will be made known. In the end, it will be made plain that Christ and his Christians were indeed light, and all else was darkness. And so we must be bold. What I tell you in the dark, Jesus says, proclaim in the light. And what I whisper to you, proclaim from the rooftops. Do not fear those who can kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Do not fear man. Rather, fear him who can destroy both body and soul in hell. Fear God. Do not fear man. Fear God. What does it profit you if you have every earthly success? If you do indeed have happiness and wealth and health and ease? What does it profit you if you have the esteem of men and the whole world applauses and, and sends its accolades towards you? What does it profit you if you gain the whole world and lose your soul? And is the same not true for our children? Are we training and leading and guiding them to gain the world or to keep their souls with God forever? Because you can't have both. Do not love the praise of men. Love the praise of God. Do not fear man. Fear God. But in what ways are we to fear him? In the first way, We need to understand that friendship with the world is enmity with God. Whoever tries to keep his life in this world will lose it. You cannot serve God and mammon. The fleshly disobedience inside each one of us needs to be terrified and put to death. We need to understand that there is no middle ground. We may deceive ourselves into thinking so, but God is neither deceived nor mocked. He is a consuming fire. And those who do not fear him, he kills in body and soul. For the love of God, flee your earthly passions and your desires to be loved by man and get on the right side. This is most certainly what it means to fear God. But there is yet another way in which we must fear God. If the powers of darkness in the world, in the church, in our families, and even in our souls, are so great and so overwhelming, how much more should we fear the one who conquers them for us? That's what the psalmist means when he says, if you, O Lord, kept a record of sins, O Lord, who could stand? But with you there is forgiveness that you may be feared. In this sense, the cross is the most fearful image in heaven or on earth. It is on the cross that the powers of darkness are trampled by our Lord. The power of the devil who overcame by a tree is now by a tree overcome. The power of sin is undone by the Son of God becoming sin for us. 
the power of death, against which we are entirely powerless, the power of death has been destroyed by his death. When our Lord Jesus bowed his head and breathed his last in this perfect weakness, all the power of God was made manifest. The impossible became possible. If God kept a record of all our sins, there would be fear indeed. But more fearful still, the record of our sins has been nailed to our Lord's flesh on the cross. More fearful still, with you, O Lord, there is forgiveness. Eternal, complete forgiveness from Christ Jesus crucified to us. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny, our Lord asks, and not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your Father, but even the hairs on your head are numbered. Fear not, therefore, you are of more value than many sparrows. Yes, Lord, our lives are in your hands. If not even a sparrow falls to the ground apart from you, neither will one of us fall to the ground apart from your gracious will. Yes, Lord, two sparrows are indeed sold for a penny, and we are of much more value than many sparrows, as you say, for you have purchased us at the cost of your own life and with the priceless treasure of your own blood. Let us hear then what our Lord says, first to his apostles and then also to us. So everyone who acknowledges me before men, I will acknowledge before my Father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, I also will deny before my Father who is in heaven. No, Jesus never promised that acknowledging him would be easy. Jesus never promised that the Christian life would be easy. But he has indeed promised and said that he is the light. And the light shines in the darkness. And the darkness will not overcome it. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please rise and